94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. The Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, that Ooh. is Mr. Josh Green. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> good, good. <laughs> good morning. Sir, you want to talk about uh, opening up the vaccines starting on Monday to yep. uh, 1C? Yeah. How is that going to work? Who's eligible? So here's the breakdown. As of Monday, everyone in our state, all of our Kapuna class, 65 and older, can be vaccinated. Anyone 65 to 69 can be vaccinated. And of course, we already had started 1774 and above 75 plus from the beginning. So anyone 65 or older can be vaccinated. That's the first big category in 1C. Now, the next one is high risk medical conditions. Those who have high risk medical conditions who are younger, between ages 16 and 64, anyone with these high risk medical conditions can sign up also. People on dialysis, people who are oxygen dependent from lung or heart problems. And finally, those, those individuals who have cancer or autoimmune diseases and are getting chemotherapy or what's also called immunosuppressive therapy at an infusion center. In other words, if you're on dialysis, if you're on oxygen, or if you've got cancer and your immune system is suppressed, you can sign up. And by going through these categories, these are our last very high-risk individuals in the state. It should not take very long to get through these categories because I think we've talked about the numbers before. There are 60,064 individuals that were 70 to 74, and there's 85,000 individuals that are 65 to 69. You add in these individuals with some serious health considerations that are younger, which is not that large a group. Uh, most of the people that have these problems are older, and you're just um, off and running. You get your vaccine. So. I'm feeling really good about this because it came about 10 days sooner than I thought it was going to. And why is that? How did it come up uh, sooner than you expected? A couple things. One is that we had already been vaccinating a fair number of individuals in the, uh, in the elderly categories, the 70 to 74 and, of course, 70 to 75 and above uh, from before because some people had been in the workforce still. Others were living at long-term care facilities and been vaccinated in the 1A category. And so... You only had so many people that were left that were willing to sign up. So we were able to move pretty aggressively through that category. Uh, the director of health has wanted to be somewhat conservative and thoughtful about this. And I know it gives some, some others a little bit of heartburn, but we did not experience some of the problems that other states did, like massive lines, fights over the vaccine, a lot of fraud, a lot of people you know, trying to defraud elders. We didn't see almost any of that in Hawaii because we were fairly well organized. So I hope everyone will go to hawaiicovid19.com, hawaiicovid19.com, and sign up uh, later today for the, you know, the Kapuna class and or if you had these health problems. That's the best thing you can do. And then we'll move really aggressively into the next groups, uh, which we can talk about more today. Yeah. Please do tell us about, okay, so in group 1C is also, you know, what we've talked about is the essential workers who are who have not been covered in earlier phases. When can those people start to sign up? I'm going to venture a guess, and I'm thinking that's probably going to be about two weeks from now. And so the way it's worked is these categories have taken usually two weeks to get through. This one is not that large, and so I believe that in about two weeks we'll be able to open up that much more broadly. And it's a lot of people then. It's all these other essential work categories like like you saw. Um, we've already done first responders, and we've already done uh, teachers. But we now want to make sure we get all the people in the hospitality industry because 
they're going to be front-facing a lot more travelers. We don't want spread. We don't want infection that leads people to be hospitalized. There's a lot of groups that are out there working, um, even people like in, in your profession, you know, media who do a lot of interviews and are critical to establish what the rules are and what they're not and get really important information. So I appreciate you. Um, individuals who would be at risk, essentially, is, is where we are for the 1C categories. People who, as you know, who work at restaurants are going to be exposed to a lot of potential infections. So uh, we want all of these individuals to be safe so that everyone else is safe. Uh, also, a key large category of 1C is other individuals with chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And I first mentioned the very severe diseases, so I don't want anyone to be confused. The severe illnesses, one more time, are being oxygen-dependent, oxygen whether it's from heart or lung problems, on dialysis, or having cancer and immune system suppression. Those are the three categories that go starting Monday. But then, as we get into the depth of 1C, which is like over 400,000 people, it'll be whether a person has diabetes, whether they've got high blood pressure, whether they've had a heart attack in the past. But these are all people who are younger, 16 to 64. Mm -hmm. Most of the individuals with the really serious stuff are, you know, unfortunately elders, because uh, that's when you get those diseases, you know, most of the time. Okay. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here as always. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, the president in his address said, hey, by, uh, by May, everyone is going to be able to get the vaccine. Uh, and, and that seems to be his thing, right? Every adult yep. is going to get Is that a good timeline? I mean, do you think we're going to hit it? Are, are we? Because I look at a state like California and I go, how are you going to do that? I don't know if California's going to do it, but we're going to do it. We right. will be open all groups by May 1st. I believe that. Um, I believe that in my heart. Okay. We have about 50 days to get there. And we've been doing about 10,000 shots a day. That's 500,000 more shots. That mm -hmm. ought to get us there based on the number of people that would like to be vaccinated. That just means that it will open up to everyone, with the exception, of course, of younger people. He said, he said adults, and we should emphasize that, because right now only one vaccine is, is actually available to go down to age 16, and that's the Pfizer vaccine. Mm. We made changes in that in the summertime, but for argument's sake, it's adults who need vaccinated because you know, kids are not really manifesting the disease very, very badly. Mm -hmm. And we will. The larger constraint is how much vaccine we actually have in state. As of now, we got 550,250 doses in state, and that's going to keep bumping up uh, at least 60, probably 80,000 doses a week. Uh, now that we're going to start getting more Johnson Johnson again in about 10 days. So we'll get there. We're going to make that May 1 deadline. So if you were to, if you had to put a percentage on it, what percentage of our population is vaccinated right now? 18.5%. Okay. At least one, one shot, right? Yes, that's at least one shot. And a lot of people are, um, you know, now, uh, well, there's a couple things. If you had COVID and you got one shot, people feel that that's going to give you enough immunity. We haven't changed the policy yet, but that's a good thing. A lot of people have gotten both shots, as you know, a ton of people. And then now we're finally starting to get into the uh, into the process of getting people uh, the Johnson Johnson shot, which is good to go. Right. That's one shot. I, mm -hmm. I did two vaccine clinics, um, participated in two vaccine clinics this last week myself. Uh, one was at the veterans, another with the um, the Korean community that were elderly. And I'll tell you, a lot of people wanted the Johnson Johnson shot. That's going to be the I'm telling you, the, the favored uh, option for many. Hmm. One, because it does prevent, you know, between 66 and 72 percent of 
uh, infections, total immunity for that, that amount of people, but also it's preventing serious illness. And most people deep in their heart just want to know they're not going to die of this stuff, right? Sure. That's the most important thing. So for young people, for people who are healthy like you guys, it's a really good shot. I mean, it's an excellent option. Doesn't require follow-up, doesn't require, uh, you know, keeping your schedule together, doesn't worry about whether supply uh, considerations come into play. I mean, it's a good situation. So uh, I'm just, uh, I'm high on that right now, but I would take any of the three. If there's a listener out there and they were, they're saying stuff, which one should I take? Anyone that's available, take it, in my opinion. Uh, unless you are in a really high-risk category and still haven't been vaccinated, in that case, I, I think you should take the Pfizer or Moderna and try to maximize your, your likelihood of full immunity. Okay. Got it. Thank you Thank very you. much. Um, I wanted to clarify something about the COVID-19 vaccine timeline uh, that sounds hopeful. So um, I'm looking right now at the HawaiiCOVID19.com website, which said originally that phase two uh, of vaccines w- was supposed to launch in, quote unquote, summer of 2021, summer of this year. That would be for persons 16 years and older, not in other categories. So what we're saying now with the advent of vaccines and, and everything that's happening um, that it looks like uh, we have moved that timeline up to May, May 1st, that all groups, uh, you know, uh, adults that want the vaccines can get them. Is that right? Like things are moving faster than we had originally thought. That's exactly right. Phase two should begin on May 1st, no later, maybe even sooner based mm-hmm. on where we've been. state. And we are now actively as of Monday, this coming Monday, which is the 15th of March, actively in uh, phase 1C. That gives us a nice even six weeks uh, to, you know, to complete. And it's, it's six full weeks, actually, to complete the 1C category. And given our, our current pace, we can do it. And I think that you're going to see in phase two, it'd be very simple. You'll be able to go to a lot of pharmacies. You'll be able to go to all kinds of places. So uh, that's, a, you know, that's an important thing, too. We want to streamline this process because I know it, it can be frustrating. Sure. Thank you. Um, Sir, to follow up on the questions about vaccines. So, okay, so we are uh, heading into the first part of, uh, you know, of of 1C. And uh, you were saying earlier that you think in about two weeks from now, you're hazarding a guess that, uh, you know, we'll have those uh, the groups that um, include other chronic um, uh, conditions, as well as uh, talking about, you know, those other essential workers. Um, I wanted to follow up with a question about the all these employers who are still saying that they have not received word back from the Department of Health uh, that they can send their the, their essential workers to get vaccinated. Um, how many? I know last time we talked, I think you said the the DOH has gotten like maybe like ten thousand applications from various employers to get their employees vaccinated. How many has the state received now, and how many have actually been processed? Well, I can't speak for the Department of Health for how many they process, but they have now received over 15,000 applications. Whoa. And mm-hmm. right. my recommendation is when we start the 1C category, that it's obvious that everyone who was petitioned for 1B should be able to go get vaccinated. All of the 1B workers, obviously, because there's nothing to prevent, you know, prevent anyone from the previous categories to get vaccinated if they haven't yet done it as we move forward. So, That's, I think, what's going to happen. We have to rely on the Department of Health to make that final announcement. But the the time is coming where all of those essential 1B designated categories 
everyone should be allowed to go and sign up, and there shouldn't be any resistance whatsoever. The next challenge will, of course, be the 1C. That's why I'm trying to be really specific about who starts off in the 1C category. Mm -hmm. The elderly, 65 and older, plus those with those severe conditions that I mentioned, that's the start of 1C. Then we clean up the 1B a little bit because the Department of Health is working through those applications like crazy. But you can imagine, imagine trying to reply to, you know, 15,000 15,000 requests. It's a little bit challenging. But we're going to open this a lot more broadly based on the categories themselves to make it easier for people. And I just think that's going to be better. We're able to do that because we've now gone through the most vulnerable populations. At least we will as of the next two weeks because uh, 65 to 74 year olds, which are now kind of the the biggest focus, uh, that's the last group that we're really at risk. That plus people who had oxygen needs or on dialysis or cancer. So after that point, I don't want to say that that I'm not worried about, you know, kind of an orderly approach. I'm just saying that it will not be as consequential. We will be in a much safer place. Okay. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Appreciate it. Wanted to ask you about variants. What can you tell us? Yes. Uh, what, what's new in the variant area? Well, new in the variant world since we last spoke was that we have had uh, some cases of the variants that we are concerned about, although they are responding to the vaccination well, which is important. So we've had both the UK variant and the South African variant. And unfortunately, as as I've had to describe before, because I hate cockroaches, but I'm going to use the cockroach metaphor again. <laughs> we find cases of one of these variants, just like cockroaches, there's more cases behind uh, behind closed doors or, or in people's houses or in businesses because uh, they become quite predominant quickly. Mm. The most common variant we've had is the California variant, which is slightly more infectious but does not seem to be more lethal. And, and most of the outbreaks with that California variant <coughs> excuse me, seem to have been in Maui, um, which was mm. uh, at the prison and in other places, although the, the California variant is in all parts of the state. Uh, but the U.K. variant and the South African variant are something we have to watch. Just so people know, the, like the South African variant is being um, managed by the Johnson Johnson vaccine. South Africa, the country, decided to use that vaccine exclusively on that. So uh, we are safe with all of our vaccines. They do not at 100 percent level, but they do produce enough antibodies to fight this thing back. That's what the research seems to show right now. And if that changes, we'll you know either have a booster or an adjustment. But I'm very confident after talking to the head epidemiologist of our state, and she pointed out to me, look, we, we've had 20 large regions that have been studied that have had these variants, South African variant included. And in each of those regions, the rate of COVID is really dropping fast and the prevalence is dropping fast. So if our vaccine wasn't working, we would know it mm. based on all of this. So millions and millions of people have been vaccinated now and we're getting a lot of good feedback. So I want people just to know the following. Get vaccinated if your time comes up and it's coming very fast for almost all groups. That's one thing. And two, do not let your guard down and stop wearing masks uh, or socially distancing. That's still really important. For instance, I know that uh, the mayor, and I support him, uh, has opened up uh, a lot more activities, including bars. But if you go to a bar and you're not drinking, you should still wear a mask. You need to. You should still be separate from strangers who are not in your bubble. Mm -hmm. You need to do that. It's still a virus out there. I'll answer another question even before it's asked. Someone pointed out that that one guy got vaccinated twice. Mm -hmm. had their, they still caught it. Well, 
The reality is it's 94.5% effective that, you know, that vaccine, um, Pfizer or Moderna at preventing catching COVID, but that still leaves 5%. So one out of 20 people may not have enough immunity to stop the disease. You still get extra protection against severe disease. We've had very few severe cases of COVID once you've been vaccinated, but it's not 100%. And so the better part of, of valor and intelligence is to still be vaccinated, still wear masks, still socially distance. And I really think that we're looking uh, or trending towards July 4th as a point at which the country and our state are much, much safer and we start having uh, the sense that we're normal. All right. Thank you. Wanted to go to some of our listener questions because they are coming fast and furious. So uh, one of our listeners, Heidi, is asking, what category do caregivers of medically fragile people fall into? You know, I'm going to have to go back and double check. A lot of us felt that caregivers were essentially healthcare professionals and should go early. Without a doubt, they should be completed by 1C. And so let me get that additional information for you. We'll put it uh, kind of in broad uh in in kind of broad typeface and bold typeface on the website. But caregivers, in my opinion, need to be vaccinated because they're taking care of Kupuna. Thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Anne-Marie is asking, uh, DOH reported yesterday two fully vaccinated persons traveled back here and received positive results after they arrived. Uh, She's asking to elaborate a little bit on that or or if you know anything about it. Yes. Uh, Oh, by the way, I have an answer. Technically, caregivers, uh, I just got word from from DOH is up in the higher category, up as, as high as 1A. So caregivers should absolutely be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two individuals that traveled and had caught the disease, there's a couple scenarios. One is they may have caught COVID uh, before they were fully immune. And as you know, the test will stay positive for quite a long time, often three or four months. Oh. So there could be some gray areas for people. And it's going to be really difficult to tease out whether it's just someone who is unlucky and didn't achieve full immunity and catches COVID versus someone who caught COVID and was an asymptomatic case two months before and still has persistent viral particles. I can say this though, if you've been vaccinated and you are in either category, positive from before or catch COVID in a very mild way and very unlikely, it will be a mild course of the disease. And that's the reason we get people vaccinated. Uh, But it's honest to say this, Testing people is going to become, unless they're symptomatic, pretty useless if they have been vaccinated because you're going to run into these kind of scenarios and not know what to do. The better approach is if people are fully vaccinated and asymptomatic in any way, that's their passport. That's their key to travel. That's their uh, designation of safety. That That is the holy grail of this process. It's not... Uh, to continue to test people and to continue to worry about the super outliers. Because we're talking about population health. We're not talking about one individual to another. Mm. We'll always take care of individuals in the hospital if they get very sick. We will always do a full assessment if anyone has these symptoms. But the goal is to, in a population way, stop the spread of the virus and therefore not have outbreaks, not have to worry about schools being closed, not have to worry about outbreaks at long-term care facilities or our kupuna having high rates of uh, mortality because, you know, it just rolls right through a, a nursing or a care home. So the bigger picture is as a public health initiative, we have these standards and that you're in the clear if you're vaccinated plus two weeks. 
All right. Um, wanted to talk uh, real quickly about now all these reopenings that were, uh, you know, announced yesterday uh, with uh, Mayor Rick Blangiardi. Um, the opening of bars, the opening of organized sports. Do you agree with these openings? I think some people were caught a little bit off guard and, and didn't expect it coming, although they're happy about it. Do you do you think we're going at the right pace, going too fast? Um, well, we haven't done anything really fast for a long time in Hawaii, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to diss anyone being fast. I really support the, the mayor on this one mm. overall. He's being analytical. He's going to keep checking with me all the time. We talk so often. It's great. Uh, we're going to continuously assess and reassess whether we've added too much risk. The truth is we have to give our people hope. And if people do a good job with their social distancing and mask wearing, we're fine. We would have been fine a long time ago, in fact, mm-hmm. to open almost anything as long as we can do that. Is it too early? Certainly not too early for sports. Sports are, you know, a home run and we need to open them up. Uh, I've been working on this for several weeks with a lot of really good people. And so we're, we're getting there and now we can open up our sports. I don't even know for sure if we're not overshooting. I think we're asking people to wear masks with some of these sports out outdoor running is probably overkill, but we'll get final decisions on that in the coming weeks, but outdoor sports are fine. Bars, you just got to be careful because if you get totally, totally blitzed at a bar, which some people do, mm. you're not going to sit distance. And not all of those individuals are going to be vaccinated until well into the summer. So I would just be cautious about going to bars if you're not able to stay in your bubble. It's still going to be up to the individuals who are going to bars. I want restaurants and bars to succeed. They've taken it on the chin. Uh, but people should still make sure they do what they can to stay in their own pod. They should still socially distance from strangers if they don't know whether they've been vaccinated. And I would err on the side of caution. I think this particular mayor is being just a little bit more proactive for the business community. And it's a luxury that we can afford now because our positivity rate is at 1.16% for the whole state, the 0.98% for Oahu. Our case count average is 52, and our hospital numbers have been 30 or lower now for the last, uh, since the third of, uh, of the month, so mm-hmm. for the last 10 That's days. Awesome. So all of wow. these things are really good, but we're not completely out of the woods yet. So just be a little careful, everybody. Because I want us to get to to the you know the full herd immunity category in early summer before we really feel that we beat this thing. Okay, thank you very much, Lieutenant Governor. Um, my friend Terry is texting me, and I know my wife has probably the same question: When are kids going to get vaccinated? Kids are going to get vaccinated uh, midsummer. It looks like the studies are being conducted right now. The only vaccine that's allowed to go down to age sixteen, which is really adolescents, it's not kids per se. Uh, is the Pfizer vaccine. We will likely get data, and I think what you're going to hear is that each of the vaccines are safe. Probably down to age 12 will be the next uh, determination, and I would guess that 12 and up will be offered vaccines in the summer, probably June, July. That'll be the last category. But before we start kids back to school in August, it may be in our interest to, you know, to give them the shot. And I know that some parents are going to be on the fence about that, but it's going to be up to parents. And fortunately for us all, kids have not really manifested COVID very badly. And our educators are going to be immune because they're getting vaccinated. So I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, It's really going to be family to family uh, making that decision. 
All right. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green on the phone. Sir, I wanted to ask you about our Pacific Islander population here in Hawaii, because, you know, during the pandemic, it has been found uh, in the past that, uh, you know, the Pacific Islander groups have been disproportionate in getting COVID. You know, we've had more of COVID in those groups. Is the state doing anything special to reach them now with the vaccines? We are actually. So, yes, 4% of the state's population was was uh, determined to be non-Hawaiian Pacific Islanders, yet that community had 31% of all the cases mm-hmm. in our state. So the Department of Health is strategically uh, reaching out to those communities and offering extra vaccine. So because of the high prevalence and the rate of spread from the community of non-Hawaiian Pacific Islanders to others also, and the high rate of hospitalizations, they're going into communities right now and trying to accelerate that, that category. Mm-hmm. Also, because we have individuals in, in that community, a lot of people have pretty severe chronic disease. All of those individuals are going to be prioritized to get a shot or two right away. So we're doing it. We are also trying to you know, knock down the cases in the prisons. As you know, uh, that's been a very tough nut to crack because people are in close proximity to one another. So all of these things have to be done, and we're doing it. We're less than three months in. And we now have done, um, we'll touch 450,000 shots as of today. We'll do our 450,000 shot. We'll do our 500,000 shot next week. Um, It's something that we've never done before in our history. It's important for people to keep that perspective. We didn't expect to have a vaccine within a year at all. We only touched the one-year anniversary of COVID this last week, right? So I'm still a little stunned, actually, that we got there in just nine months to the vaccine mm. and good thing because it will knock out this this uh, pandemic you know much faster than than what could have happened but uh, we just can't take it for granted you know mm. so everyone should continue to wear masks continue to socially distance and continue uh, to wash their hands a lot until the whole state is safe Okay, thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor, real quick, um, the COVID-19 bill that uh, the president just signed into law, uh, besides the payments, uh, could you get into a little bit about what it's going to mean to us here in terms of COVID-19 support and support for the state? Yes. Well, I'm not sure I can go much more beyond besides payments. I mean, the, the, uh, the amount of resources we're getting is extraordinary to prop up all of our pods to make sure that we have uh, ample... Uh, syringes for the vaccinations, ac- adequate resources for the health systems to, you know, to actually deliver these vaccines. Lots and lots of resources, of course, also for those who are out of work because of COVID. And then we're able to backfill all of our public health system because we have the extra resources so we don't have to have cuts in the budget. That's, that's probably you know, one of the most important things. We were facing really steep cuts in all disciplines. Mm-hmm all services the only services that probably were never going to cut were the 24 7 services that you have to stay open all of those were going to have to stay intact but now now we turn our attention now that people will be secure through labor day opening our economy and you're going to hear me talk a lot more about you know vibrant opening making sure our economy rebounds we've been hovering around 15,000 travelers per day that's exactly half of what we're used to I expect we're going to go up to three quarters of the numbers. I think that will coincide with us finishing off the 1C category, which is safety for our hospitality workers and our, our workers at the airports and all our healthcare people and all of our kupuna. 
So we're all trending to the right point, which is to restore normalcy and hope for our state while being safe. That's the important thing. So all that extra money from Washington, which is awesome, is uh, is now there Mm -hmm. and we can focus on finishing off this virus. That would be great. Yes, that would awesome. be great. Finishing off the virus. And again, we want to say mahalo to the Lieutenant Governor of the State of Hawaii, thank Dr. You. Josh Green. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Have a safe weekend. I really appreciate being with you. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.